Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq al and you can keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. You'll find us at that same username at Radio Islam USA. All right, family, it is great to be back. Uh, haven't man haven't been able to talk with you guys for it feels like a month but it's really just been about a little bit over two weeks and i'm happy to have joining me on the line uh our beloved culture contributor author adjunct professor racial justice trainer podcaster as well and uh just you know she keeps picking up more and more stuff but leila abdullah pulos she is joining us assalamu alaikum alaikum assalam. i need to drop some stuff though for real <laughs> <laughs> Well, you I know, need to put some stuff down. I mean, I'll be picking stuff up and picking stuff up. I mean, but you're doing, uh, I guess, so many exciting and meaningful things. Uh, that would be really difficult to, like, what what's the thing you let go? Like, what do you stop doing? Like, I don't know. I keep asking myself that. You know, it's funny because I have a master's degree in liberal studies. Now, one of the things about liberal studies is that it's very interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. So I studied across a lot of different di- disciplines to finish my master's degree. And I think that I never let that go because my life, I'm going across all of these different things. <laughs> <laughs> my life, and I don't want to let any of them go. Yeah. You know, so here I am. I guess that's a good problem to have. So, you know. Uh, it is. Yeah, How so. is Hajj? Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, alhamdulillah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. Uh, first off, first off, I already know that we are not going to have nearly enough time to unpack everything that came out of it because, uh, and this is something that I want to really have some ongoing conversation about, but my initial response is going to be that I'm going to be unpacking this experience for years and years to come. Uh, I'm tremendously grateful that I was afforded the opportunity uh, to make this uh, this sacred uh, pilgrimage, and I learned I learned a lot about myself, mm. uh, you know, on the Hajj, and I am also really grateful that I was able to make it with my wife of the past almost twenty years now, uh, Aisha, and um, yeah, so I mean, it was it was a beautiful experience. There was definitely some struggle involved. Uh, I mean, and I think that's only befitting because Hodge is to struggle. So, yeah. um, but but it was a beautiful struggle. So, I'm delighted. Beautiful struggle. Yeah, it was. It was a beautiful struggle. And yeah. I got. I have to give a serious, just a big thank you to the Muslim World League for their hospitality, and for the way that mm-hmm. they uh, took care of us and facilitated. A, a, I guess if you could say stress-free um, with regard to the Hajj, then I would use that that description with them, right? But we all know that there's... Stress-free? <laughs> I should, well, you know, they really, they were really hospitable. <sighs> the accommodations that they gave us uh, through either transportation or food or, or whatever, it was, it was, it was really wonderful. It was really, really wonderful. Uh, so just wanted to I give them a shout a out. I think that's a very important thing. 
you know, a lot of times it seems like uh, people, one of, I think one of the best things to do is first of all, before you go off on Hodge, is to talk to someone that's been on Hodge. Yeah. That's what my husband did. That was the first thing he did. Mm-hmm. You don't go in with like these doe-eyed ideas of what it's going to be like because ultimately it's a conversion. It is such a cultural conversion, convergence yeah. of so many people, so many backgrounds, so many ethnicities, so many cultural conventions. And one place, like huge, I can't imagine any place else, any other event like that. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, it's not, it's going to be something easy is, it should, I guess, be something, (laughs) the first thing going on there knows that it's not going to be easy. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it it definitely wasn't easy. People people got a great your nerves and everything like that. And so, but ultimately getting past all that, it Mm. makes the experience worth it. Because I know a lot of people that go back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard about this brother. He's been for the past, um, someone uh, that that I know who knows his brother said he's been for the past 30 years. Every year he goes. I'm like, that's a little selfish. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say? Send somebody else, huh? That's a little selfish. That, <laughs> it is. Well, the thing is, is that you're only supposed to go once. You only have to go once in your lifetime. Right. And it becomes a huger and huger event every single year. The population just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think even now, the the KSA, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, don't they put limitations now? Yes. Because... Yes, they. Well, I should say, um, they crack down on on visas. They crack down on, uh, you know, there there are a number of folks who are trying to get in illegally, uh, and they're you know printing out fraudulent yeah. visas. And while I was there, I was reading that they had turned away. I want to say, man, I don't want to get this number wrong, but it was over a hundred and. 30,000 people. It might have been 300,000, but it was, no, no, it was over 130,000 people that had been turned away because of of that fact, fraudulent uh, visas. And then on top okay. of that, you look at the other side, just as far as like the logistical nightmare that this, you know, that this is, they bring in like another 300,000 plus uh, workers from the outside to help facilitate uh, a, a smooth hodge so yeah they're looking very closely at who's coming in um you know across the board i mean it was just crazy the 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 number of people uh and the the the, the traffic and yeah so my hat's off my hat's off to them and i guess each year they've gotten better from what i understand uh this being my first time i don't have much mm-hmm. to really gauge it against other than the uh, the experiences that other people have shared with me, but man, it is quite a production. And then you had, and, and then you had organizations like the World Muslim League, who uh, did their best, you know, did did a good job, like you said, of making sure that you were you and your family and the other Hajis were as comfortable as possible. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, because just imagine going there all, all on your own. 
<laughs> yeah. Like thinking you gonna take a knapsack, like a like a little thing, a a, a stick, and a little <laughs> handkerchief with some stuff like Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, yeah. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> like, no, slow your roll, brother. We got to tell you some stuff. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> go in. I was. So you went in prepared. I was over prepared. I was over prepared because I had you, talked. You to, were over. I was. I had talked to people about, you know, like what we should bring with us, what kind of provisions, what we should wear, all the little things that you might not think about. Like, you know, people saying, you know, get your, have your, um, uh, not talcum powder because that stuff's uh, poisonous, but, you know, your powder. Because uh, when you're toxic. in, um, when yeah, it's toxic. When you're in Ihram, those two white sheets for those people who may not know, uh, not, may not be familiar with that term, but it's the two seamless uh, sheets of, 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 of fabric that you wear. The white fabric, you know, cover your top and your bottom. And, you know, and that's it. You don't have anything on. So there's a potential for a lot of chafing uh, to go on. You know, you're in the desert, you're walking, you're sweating. So stuff like having that powder or Vaseline um, becomes really an important tip for somebody to give you. I remember my husband's friend, uh, well, my best friend. And uh, the one thing that she told him was, listen, take a lot of garlic before you go. Take a lot of vitamins before you go. Yes. Drink some echinacea, get some echinacea tincture and everything like that. Because you have like the hot sickness and yep. stuff like that. But it is really important to be prepared. And it's better. I think it's better to be over prepared. I'd rather have too much stuff and be like, someone carry this for me. No, I'm just and it's just like, you know, it's going to, just like I think with anything, with all the activity matter that we do, you know, they all have, uh, we all have, we always have to prepare for them. So we prepare for Ramadan, we prepare before we make our salat uh, five times a day, we prepare for that too. So it's important to prepare for Hajj, you yeah. know, because it's an active Ibadah. And I still, from what I've heard, it's like one of the more difficult ones <laughs> yeah. to engage in. And the funny thing, because I've told people, um, you know, when asked about it, you know, like, like I said, I'm still processing, still relatively fresh in my mind. And I'm glad that I took the time while I was there to write down some key things, key phrases that would bring my memory back to where I was at a particular time. But one of the things that um, that I have told people is that you don't go there to find your Islam. You bring that with mm. you uh, and you have to bring it with you mm. because it's not a place that you, it's not like you're going into. Uh, a secluded space where it's just you and your thoughts. You're going there to meet, uh, you know, a million and a half, two million of your closest friends. Um, and you are all there for the same purpose. And people are trying to, you know, like you said, they're bringing different cultures, different norms with them, different outlooks uh, and, and honestly different baggage. So the, the, the Islam, you know, when Allah says yeah. there's no, there's not to be any, uh, haranguing, there's not to be any haggling, any fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, you find out why that is said when you get there because uh, in any other situation, somebody bumping into you, knocking you down or whatever, 
it, it would it might elicit a different response. So it's like it's like you bring it with you. It's like a hyper awareness of your own of, of how you are receiving everything around you. And that's a good thing. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Now you know what though, when I said I came um uh, over prepared, I was fixated on what I should wear. Like, I mean, other than, you know, the Ihram, because you're not in that the whole time. But I was like, yeah. I'm asking yeah. people, it's like, okay, so what did you wear when you went? What did you wear? And, and uh, the first brother, he told me, he's like, well, you know, I, I, I said, I travel light. So when I get to the airport, I just grab a couple of thobes and, and you know, mm. uh, and a pack of underwear and, and that's it. Wear flip flops and that's, you know, that's what he does. Uh, asked another brother. And he pretty much kind of said the same thing, minus traveling light. He said he brings this stuff with him. So I said, okay, I've had, I have all of these thobes that basically I just wear around the house, kind of like house clothes. I have a uh, brother of mine whose wife is from Morocco, and they visit. And whenever they come to come back, he brings me, you know, these beautiful, uh, uh, what do they call them, uh, jalabias. And um, so I decided to put them to work. And so that's what I, I brought with me. And they're comfortable, aren't man, they? Man, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, that is clothing for hot weather. I mean, you get that breeze coming up uh, from underneath. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I had no complaints about that. I was, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> so okay. that's, that's my desert wear. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, one of the things that popped up, well, I keep, you know, I call my husband Papa Bear because uh -huh. whenever I go traveling, that's that's one of the things he says. He says, "Travel hafif, travel light, travel." Light. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm a big suitcase person, yeah. and he's just like, "No, no, you know, <laughs> travel light." And I never regret when I listen to him when I do travel light and I bring a whole lot of stuff. So yeah. I guess like you really have to think about when you're going on this long journey and everything. Everything has to come into consideration. Yeah. Because if you're not prepared for it mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, and physically, then it's, it'll just make what is already, you know, is going to be a hard act to be bad at yeah. even harder. Yeah. But it's worth it. It is. It is. And I did the whole um, trying to get our immune systems ready. So we were doing vitamin C and echinacea and garlic. Um, for like a week before we left and then we were doing doses every day and uh, alhamdulillah you know praise be to Allah we did not get sick at all um, and that was one of the things we had heard about people getting sick every time they go and having injuries and all this other stuff but that wasn't our case so again one of those uh, hajj blessings that I you know I looked at so uh, no no sickness we bought a we bought a bunch of like energy bars with us because uh, one of our friends told us, he says, you got to keep food with you because there will be times okay. where you'll be out and you don't know how long it's going to be before, uh, before you get somewhere where you can buy food. Uh, and they tell us, you know, don't eat anything unless it's packaged. Um, you know, keep uh, plenty of water and keep your umbrella and all these other things. And do you realize we probably bought about maybe 30 energy bars with us and we brought back 
about 20, 25 of them. Good. You got to go to uh, Halal Burger King, though? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Went to Halal Burger King, Halal McDonald's, Halal uh, Pizza Hut. Halal McDonald's? Yes. Halal uh, KFC. Is a Big Mac, is a Halal Big Mac the same as a Big Mac? Okay. So, no. American Muscles want to know. <laughs> so you have to adjust to that too. No, no. I'm gonna tell you, they seem like they are really fixated with with not just supersize, with doubling everything. Like they got the double chicken sandwich, double quarter pounder, double Big Mac. Du- I mean, just more meat than you know. I really more meat than I felt comfortable eating. I was like, can I just get the regular quarter pounder? Really? Yeah, it was too and much. And you're from Chicago. Yeah. You guys love your portion sizes over there. Uh. When I was visiting, <laughs> I was like, my God. how? I... Come on now. Come on now. Look, that's an American trait. Everything here you guys is like super sized. portion sizes. God, dude, dude, dude. I'm, I'm straight up telling you, dude. Okay? In New York, no, yeah. you don't get that much food you know, for your plate. Well, you, you know, get that much food you all plate. treat your food it's like, like and it's more expensive. <laughs> you treat your food like you treat real estate. Um, and and I'll say I, I had a hotel in Times Square um, like five or six years ago. And it was like a three hundred dollar a night uh, hotel room. And for three hundred dollars a night, I was expecting some room. And it was this little just this little I mean, tiny ceilings, um, not a whole lot of space at all. I'm just thankful that my little people, they were little people back then. So it had to be more than five or six years ago. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So they're yeah. going to skip. You're going to skip on the real Yorker. estate and on the food. You're not a New Yorker. You know, dang go well that you do not get a hotel downtown unless it's a Ritz or the Hilton or something like that. If you don't have Ritz or Hilton money or Marriott money, you better carry it behind over the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Look, come on, sister. To Brooklyn or someplace like that and take the train back because you're you're going to get uh, the, the hotel rooms are very small in a lot of places. So, yeah, you can tell you're not a New Yorker because New York is not going to stay in those hotels. That's for Look, tourists. Look, like, yeah. all I know is that for $300 a night, I should have gotten a, a little bit more than I got. I mean, you know, I got a decent hotel for for one hundred and ten dollars a night. That's a decent. No, no, you know, you know how much hotel rooms go go for in the city? Nah, bro. I told you, Chicago is a small city. Okay, I love it. Small it's city, beautiful. I, I think it's a pretty city. Uh huh. Okay, and you got the only thing big in Chicago is your food portions, though. For real. Whoa. Small city. Small city. Okay. We're not going to go into this argument, and we're not going to argue about pizza or casserole, cheese casserole with tomato sauce. You know what? See, this this just shows that the the, 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 the spineless pizza of New York had a wonderful highs. It's messed you up. It's messed you up. Yeah, see, look. Yeah, let's get back to highs. <laughs> but um, I did have... Um, it's I had smiling, halal so it's pepperoni. It's got zest. It's got zing. 
It's got flavor. It's got texture. It's not a hunk of cheese. The cheese is okay, not so you know, and distributed. Okay, here, it's this not is what a we're hunk gonna in do. the middle with sauce on top. We're not going to have this <laughs> argument. This is what we're going to do. We're actually going to put out a poll. We're going to have folks who have had Chicago deep dish, deep dish pizza compared to New York's just big flat plain pies. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not at all. That's not at all. Not at all. We want to. We want people who have had both. Um, yeah, we just want people who've had both. That's it. We'll get into that. But look, but the pizza I did have on Hodge was halal pepperoni uh, pizza from Pizza Hut, and uh, it was all right. It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't great at all. Nothing to write home about. That's chain store pizza. But we can both agree on that. Like those yeah. <laughs> chain store pizzas are very different. They yeah. carry it across a lot. You know, but no, alhamdulillah. You know, I mean, you had a nice hajj, all right? Yeah. You were able to try stuff. I mean, like as a Muslim convert, I like some part of me misses some of that stuff. Like, you know, uh, and, and I knew it's like it would be exciting to at least check out. Oh, a halal Big Mac, you know. Yeah. It does it taste the same as the the Big Macs do in America that I remember growing up eating mm-hmm. as a kid? Does it taste the same? Is it the same thing? And if it's not, then okay, you know, we got five got we got five brothers in in Kennedy's and and a whole bunch of great halal spots out, out here. Yeah. Honest Chops, you know, Epic Burger. Yeah. I did like those burgers. And you know it made up for the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't help yourself. <laughs> I can't help myself. It's just don't be dogging out on your pizza. <laughs> and I think okay, I think it's a cultural difference. I really do. I grew up on New York pizza. I'm very picky about pizza anyway, mm-hmm. and so it's like, you know, even chain store pizza is like, eh, you know, but. <laughs> Uh, it was just really definitely a culture shock for me to be like in my head I had pizza on my mind and I know people told me about Chicago pizza so it's not like I was totally ignorant yeah. but I, I think it's like you know it's like that that animal hawk and that animal hawk like I knew it <laughs> when I saw it and I just was like what is this yeah this is different what is that? Well, how am I supposed to eat a fork in a night this is different pizza Oh, yes. It's a meal. It's a meal. Needs nothing else. Okay. Stand alone. So is New York pizza. I'm sorry. So is New York pizza. No, slow your roll, brother. I don't know So is New York pizza. It's a nice big slice. You fold it in half and you can hop the subway. No, sorry. Why you got to no, fold it in half? Why do you have to fold it in half? So that you can hop the subway. And you can walk around and hop the subway. You don't need a knife in the fork. See, okay? you know, we have, we, we also have. Better, and that's just the way it is. I'm not going to argue with Okay, that's fine. But you know what we also have here in Chicago? We also have here, um, we've got tables and chairs. Uh, and they allow you to sit down and eat your pizza. And you don't, you don't really have that in New York, right? You just, you just, you're buying pizza yes, we do. out of a yes, window. We do. We have, out of a window. We have cafes. You, can sit, you can sit if you want and everything. We have sidewalk cafes. We have all that stuff. We're mm. the, we go to where it was popularized. We're the trailblazers. I don't, I don't know Thank about you that. Thank very much. I'll be copying, I'll be copying off of I don't us know. left and right. See, we sit Thank down. Thank you. Y'all got to jump very on the much. subway. <laughs> you can we sit, sit down. down. But guess what? No, because the thing is, like, you can sit down with a New York slice, uh-huh. okay? But then, it's like, oh, I got to go. You can take it, pick it up, and go. 
You don't need a knife. You don't need a fork. You don't need a plate or anything like that. All right. And the cheese all is evenly distributed. It's not a big hunk in the middle of a bowl of bread. I'm sorry, like brother. I said, you cannot. Like I said, it's it's a meal. Knife and fork. It's a meal. No, look. Let, so is a New York slice. Let, let so me, is a New York slice. Let, let me go back to Hodge so for a second. <laughs> let me go back to Hodge for a second. There is one experience, and I want to have this brother on. Uh, Imam Safir Rob out of Baltimore, Maryland. He was a former captain. Uh, matter of fact, he was the youngest captain in the uh, history of the Nation of Islam. Uh, he later on um, became a supporter, follower of uh, Imam Muhammad. Muhammad. Um, Allah have mercy on him. And uh, But he did some phenomenal work uh, throughout his life, and he's in construction. He wrote this book on Hajj, and it is unlike any other book that I have read. And of course, there's a lot of books I have not read, but most of the books give you the kind of the step-by-step, you know, what the what are the rituals? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say do out here. You're supposed to, you know, you know, when you pass the uh, you know, the black stone, you if you can't touch it, you kiss your hand and, you know, bismillah wallahu akbar. Things like that. Procedure, but not really giving uh context to what you're doing and why you're doing it and deeper meanings for reflection. And his book does just that. And uh, I had the pleasure of, 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 of being able to be with him and just to learn from his research. Um, it made our Hodge and the rituals performing them that much more meaningful. I mean, just some phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. So I can't wait to have him on to talk about um, just his book and just how he approaches the Hodge. So, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. The days of Tashrik. We talked about the, um, so when the, the sacrifice is made. And he says, during the time, you know, for, the, uh, for the, the Arabs of that time, when they would make the sacrifice, they would sacrifice the animal, they would leave it out, let the meat dry, and they would basically kind of turn it into jerky. And that meat would oh. sustain them on their journey back uh back home and he says you know our home is the grave our home is the next life our true home is the next life it's not you know it's not just it's not here and what you take from hajj it's like that sacrifice you take that and that sustains you you use that which you've learned which you've gained from that for your journey back so it's like that's also part of that reflection of the hajj and how you keep going back to it to uh, to aid in your, to aid you in your journey, just one of the the the, the jewels that he um, that he shared that's in his book. I don't even have the copy of the book with me right now because I would just give him a, a a shout out right now, but I'll do it later, inshallah. I'll do it later. But it was a uh, it was that part was awesome. That was the best part of the Hodge for me. And you made dua for me though, like for real I did, though, like for you real. and Aisha, like for real. Absolutely. Okay, because I was nagging you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was nagging you guys. I was nagging you guys because for those of us who have not had the opportunity and it doesn't seem like in the near future that that's going to happen, you know, that is a very important thing is yeah. to have uh, someone make dua for you on Arafat, make a conversation for you on Mount Arafat, I think that, you know, I whenever I know someone, like, you know, I can't be pushing like someone I barely know. But the people <laughs> that I know, that I'm close to, like, please remember me. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I take it back. That was my. That was actually the, the the, the height of the Hajj, um, Arafat. Okay. Um, and it rained. It rained while we were on Arafat. Now, now a bunch of people, I'm sure, saw that. But Saudi Mecca gets four inches of rain a year. Four inches. It when you were there. Four <laughs> inches, right? Now, I was thinking about it because I had to look. It's like how much rain does Chicago get each year? Chicago gets about, gets about 35 inches of rain. Mecca gets four inches, and we got two days of rain. One of which, while we were on uh, Arafat. And it was just so moving. I mean, everybody was was crying and praying and just you just felt Allah's mercy. Um, that was a uh, that was gonna have that was a beautiful experience. What'd you say? I, I, I it's... OK, yeah, so Hodge was a yeah, it was just a, there was some beautiful moments. Uh, some things that I believe are going to stay with me always. And uh, like I said, we got a whole lot more to talk about this. We're going to be talking about this for a while because I really want to get some of the folks who went this year uh, in particular uh, to share their experiences since I'm assuming that they're still fresh in their minds. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But look, this is what we're going to do because we got some other stuff to get into. So if we're going to pause for a moment. We'll have a few quick uh, messages and we'll come back and get into that. We'll be right back. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. Remember to keep up with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to post them on our wall, uh, DM us, put them in our message box, or you can send us an email at producer at radioislam.com. That's producer at radioislam.com. Last but not least, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. You'll find us at Radio Islam. I am joined today, my first day back, uh, coming from Hajj, my first day back with Layla Abdullah Pulos. And we've been talking about the Hajj, but now we're going to switch gears. 
because there's some exciting stuff that is coming up for writers uh, and which means it's exciting for readers as well uh, and that is the uh, Black Muslim Anthology did I get that right? Black Muslim Reads Anthology the Black Muslim Reads Anthology yes yeah, so br break it down tell us what are we looking at Okay, well, the anthology is the next step in what started off as a hashtag campaign um, in 2018. 2018, we had a hashtag campaign, All Black History Month, called Black Muslim Reads. Hashtag Black Muslim Reads. It actually went viral its first year. And readers shared their Black Muslim Reads, books written by Black Muslim authors. And it, it exploded. It started off in the United States. It, it went over to the UK and other countries and everything like that. And then last year, the next thing that we did in addition to the hashtag campaign was we had the Black Muslim Reads event at uh, NYU. Okay. Right. And so we, you actually gave a clip because you couldn't make it, so you gave a clip. So we yeah. had great clips from like you, Margaret Aziza, Nia Dixon. We had great speakers, um, Suhaib Webb, Imam Alameen Latif from the New York Modulus Shore. And we had this fantastic panel of Muslim authors. We had Um Jawaria, Sakina Rashid from the uh, creator and president of the Muslim Writers and Publishers Association, Halima de Vera. And so we had this fantastic panel and, and we had books and readers were stacking up books and everything like that. It was a really great event hosted by the Islamic Center at New York University. So that was really great. So now what we would like to do at NBA Muslims is to have an anthology of uh, expansive black Muslim reads. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're accepting poetry and prose. Fiction, nonfiction, creative nonfiction. One of the things I would like to have, and I'm hopefully we'll be able to get that, is I would like to include some um, chutzpahs from imams, black Muslim imams, from across the country and across uh, uh, backgrounds. So I really like take Sunni, Sufi, uh, Imam Warsi Muhammad, Nation of Islam, like this whole expanse, because uh, the language is so important and so rich to the culture mm -hmm. and so i would just like to have a representation of that so hopefully inshallah that'll happen and so i've been we've been getting some great uh submissions okay and an expansive work and it's just really really exciting and uh one of the things that you know uh that is happening is that i get to see all of these great writers and authors and creatives kind of come together and that I've been like having all of these different discussions with. And so now that it'll be in one place, a lot of their works will be in one place, which is really, really great. And I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, there is, you can find out more information about it on the NBA Muslims page. So there's an entire page dedicated to it. Mm -hmm. We have a great co-editor. So I'm one of the co-editors. We have Umjawari is co-editing and Fatima Abdul Malik, incredible editor. Okay. So I was really fucked up when she agreed <laughs> to co-edit the anthology. So it's really, really great. A lot of people have said yes to submitting uh, to the anthology immediately you know i was a little concerned because you know this is uh something that we will be self-publishing at nba muslims and it's very very we have a teeny teeny tiny budget right. and so we can't pay 
uh, authors and writers. Okay, mm-hmm. and, I mean that's not unusual. There are some anthologies that do pay. The majority of them do not. You know, for instance, I've contributed to quite a number of anthologies, and you know the expectation is that I, w- I won't get paid. But there are other things that happen. First of all, you get your voice out there. Right. You get your work out there with other writers and, and, and their readership as well. So you actually have access to uh, different demographic of readers and then a larger expanse of readers. Okay, a lot of times, you know, uh, these works need to be edited. Okay, and so while some uh, anthologies may keep the rights, I, you know, the Black Muslim Reads Anthology, the writers keep the rights to their work. Oh, wow. But at, yeah, they keep the rights to it. And they end up with a polished, professionally edited piece at the end of it as well. Let okay, me ask you this. So, Let me ask this. Mm-hmm. Is, is this being self-published, will there be Kindle options? Will you be able to oh, get this? Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, yes. great, great, great. Because you know how I feel about e-readers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so definitely be a Kindle option. There'll be, inshallah, a print option as well. It'll be in print, e-readers, and everything like that. And you actually, you know, we have new writers that are not well-known and well-known writers who have said yes to it. And um, I didn't have really many writers who said, you know, if you're not going to pay me for it, you're not going to get my work. Which I, you know, I respect if you don't want, if that's, if that's, what you do, that's what you do. You know, I can't say anything about it, you know, but it was like a alhamdulillah, some great authors said yes immediately. So inshallah, this is going to be really, really good. We're trying to shoot for publication during Black History Month, during the Black Muslim Leads campaign. Hopefully that will happen, you know, but when you're talking about publishing anything, nothing's ever 100%. Right. But hopefully that will happen, and hopefully we'll have another Black Muslim Leads event and uh, and we'll be able to, to, to release the book then. But it's really, really great. I mean, the, the stuff that we get to read on, the, on the, uh, the editorial review panel has been really, really fabulous. And it's what I've always known, that we have a rich expanse of language. Mm-hmm. And the, our voices are so layered that it's just really incredible the different types of things that I've that I've got the pleasure and the honor to read because there's the, these writers are sending me their work and sharing their work and so it's just really really great that you know and I look forward for more to more and more and more coming in and so it's just been really fabulous and I've gotten to, to talk to writers yeah. about their work and it's just been really great and I really look forward to it I think that it's important I think that it's important for as a cultural uh, artifact mm-hmm that shows our language, our connections, okay, our, 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 the layers of our intersections, and the layers of our voices. So I just really, really think it's wonderful. Waiting for your submission. You, 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 you will have it, sister. You will have it. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to leave that in. Uh, you know, I, I would edit that out. But Don't edit that I'm out because I will in. put it on Twitter. <laughs> I'll blast you on Twitter. You know how let me, I care. Let, let me ask. So, I really, I really just think it's, I just think mm-hmm. so incredibly important. Yeah. No, no, it, it absolutely is. It is. Um, will there be opportunities for? Uh, because I'm, I'm excited about the reading. All these different 
authors, right? These different voices. I'm excited about that. But will there also be opportunities for us to hear uh, from these authors together, kind of like you did with the um, uh, with with the convening you had at um, at the you know at the university? I do, yeah. Yeah. So will there be opportunities to get those authors together so we can? Kind of hear them bounce ideas off of one another, or just to uh, just to just to listen to them in conversation with one another. Well, you know it's interesting because usually with an anthology, I I we right now and actually this this part of it is not really up to me; it's up to the editorial board. Uh, you know, there's usually a lot of authors. So that would be a lot of moving parts to try to get everyone together. Yeah. But there'll be an opportunity for authors to come and join the uh, Black Muslim Reads event. Hopefully it'll be at NYU again. We haven't pinned down a venue yet, but they were so incredible yeah. last time that we just really would love to have it again. But other cities are like, yeah, what about us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so I know I missed, gotta be in New York? I missed last year's and uh, so I have every intention. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is there going to be another one? Because I, I want to be well, I at mean, the next one. You, I mean, if it's a matter, are you offering Chicago? Of course I'm offering <laughs> Chicago. Chicago is here. Chicago is here. Look. And see, you're about to get us derailed off into some food again. But Chicago is here. So, yeah, if you want to bring Chicago, we, we, we can definitely make that happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get the space. I'll come, I'll come to Chicago. Okay. And I, I will put you up to a challenge to find to to, to put a, a a a plate of decent Chicago pizza in front of me because you seem <laughs> to get your pizza casserole. <laughs> so you can do that too. Yeah. So it would be great. It would be great. I mean, the city is open. So yeah, you know, where where it's going to be next? I would love to have it at NYU because I just really think that I see NYU. They're really really terrific there. Okay. And but you know it's always open. It's all you know. This is the one of a uh, few uh, uh, projects that I'm on where I'm trying to get authors together. All right, now I'm, I'm working on trying to get romance, romance authors, African American Muslim romance authors together for a project because I just think that their voices are so important. And there's some African American uh, Muslim romance authors that are going to be in the anthology. And I mean the expanse. The ex- I have we have not put too many uh, uh, restrictions. Okay. When it comes to content, okay. So it's very much adult there uh, for adult readers because we want those voices out there. We don't want to restrain anybody at all. You Is know? there a word count? Is there a word limit? The word count. It depends on it depends on the work that you're doing. So. There, there's a work there's a word count limit for poetry and prose okay and poetry is actually a page word count and prose is a word count so poetry is four pages if I remember correctly but for prose for fiction and nonfiction I believe it's six thousand words which mm. isn't a whole lot okay uh, but I don't want writers to be completely restricted by that so right. if they have something that's a little longer, then send it in, you know, because it may be phenomenal. Be like, oh, we got to find some page space for this one. Right, right. <laughs> we 
classifies a page fish for this one. I did feel I, I and I honestly did not. I we did invite some authors straight out, okay, yeah. and so I did not want to kind of tell Umzakia. You know, only give me six thousand words. I want as many words as the kids gonna get me. Right. Like, how many you got for me, sir? <laughs> right, right. You know, it's how Umjawaria. Oh, you want to do fiction and you want to do poetry? I'm down with that completely. <laughs> yeah, send it through. Send it through. Who tell you know how do you t- how do you tell Kayla Wheeler and Vanessa Taylor? Oh, you just give me this amount of words. Ah, whatever you got. Well, you. Yeah, but you know the workout is really so that you know new authors or authors who have a lot on their plate don't feel overwhelmed. So if they feel like six thousand is what I can give, then that's then that's what they can do, and that that's wonderful too. We want those voices out there. We want the world to see how wonderful it is. We want African American Muslims to see that you know we've been doing this for decades, and we've created this rich literary culture mm-hmm. out there and so it's just like we, i really want us all to kind of see that and appreciate that and so this is the reason why you know we, you know we've been working so hard to get this anthology ready inshallah inshallah so let's let's talk quickly to some of those new writers who are listening and may say you know maybe i'll, I'll try to send something in right maybe i'll submit something what are some of the tips that you would give to that uh, to, to that individual starting out, finding their voice or uh, whatever, whatever you think is going to be relevant for them uh, at, at this step, uh, at this stage of the uh, uh, game for them? The first thing I would like new writers to consider is to think about having the confidence of knowing that people want to hear their voices. People want to read your stuff, okay? And I, I remember when um, NBA Muslims posted a contest, okay, for young Muslims, young Muslim poetry contest. Um, April, Women's History Month, that would be March. That would be March. Yeah. And so um, it was young girls, okay? The oldest was 17 and the youngest was 11, Okay. And um, they felt really good at the idea that, you know, they had this opportunity to win a prize and uh, have their work uh, considered. And, you know, one of the things that the host, Alina Sear, told the, the, the young poets to know that people want to hear what they have to say. Okay. And they created some beautiful stuff really, really some beautiful stuff. And I mean, the judges included uh, Khalil Ismail, who is a phenomenal uh, uh, spoken word poet, Um Jawaria, and they were impressed by these young women. And so I think that anyone who decides to take their, take to the keyboard or take to the pen, you know, to go with it, knowing that people want to hear what it is that you have to say. That's, the first thing that I would like any new writer to consider. Mm. The second thing is if you know an experienced writer, okay, reach out to them, you know, say, can you take a look at this and tell me uh, what you think about it? Okay. Um, that can be very hard. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, that's another thing that comes with experience is kind of having a thicker skin when it comes to your work. Okay. But when you reach out and you have someone read your work, and, and, and again, an experienced writer would be the best uh, if you can do that. And they give you their feedback. Take it for what it is. Take it for them looking at your work and giving you directions and advice and information to make it better. No one, experienced writers tend not to want to cut up other people's work because it's been, because, because a lot of times we've been hurt ourselves. We keep like slicing <laughs> into our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, you know, there were tears. Okay. So, and, and ask them what they think of it. Okay. And by all means, send the work in because when you send the work in, the review board, uh, the, there is an editing process. Okay. And so, you have an opportunity, okay, to have your work assessed and feedback given by experienced uh, experienced content editor, mm-hmm. an experienced line editor, an experienced copy editor, okay. And if you go and you look, you see how much all of that costs <laughs> to have that done, even for a small work. It is not cheap. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to have that done, okay. And at the end, now you have a polished piece of work that you have the rights to that that you have the rights to that you have the rights to we do not want to take the rights away from anyone we also you know i I know some anthologies they want only original original work you know the purpose and the objectives of this is to showcase the writing so if it was published on your on your on your uh blog or something like that that's perfectly fine send it in Okay. okay. I'm sending it in a blog piece. Yeah. Go ahead. Are you sending in a blog? No, I want a hook bar from you. I already told you, brother. Don't <laughs> <laughs> try it. Don't try it. Okay. So, no, yeah, we're accepting uh, uh, things that have been published online. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, if you had something that was in Muslim Matters and now you, wanna, you want to uh, have it published there, just make sure any online publication that you had to work in that what is their policy, okay, for having your work republished? Right. So a lot of online publications have uh, very specific policies when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So just make sure of that. But if it's your blog, yeah, something that you have all the rights to, send it in, you know, because it's about showcasing the work, okay? And oftentimes when it's something that someone has actually put on the blog, they've put a lot of uh, man hours into making sure it's as polished as possible. So please, by all means, do so. Awesome. We want awesome. new writers. Want new writers. All right. So we want, we want experienced writers. We want it across the board. Okay. And I think it's going to be a rich work because it shows. You know, we have links to the African American literary tradition, mm-hmm. the Islamic tradition, and you know, we, you know, African Americans are really good, okay, yeah. at creating culture. You know, we're copied off of by everybody, you <laughs> and their mama. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, this particular group of uh, authorship, um, historically, is that it runs counter to the narratives that you're going to find in. Um, you know, in, in the major media outlets, right? Uh, what's what's being shared as far as what the values are, what's important for the day are not always reflected. Well, I, I shouldn't say not always reflected. You can't expect them to be reflected in the 
uh, authorship and the commentary and the insights of this group, this particular group of people that are, you know, who have often been excluded, um, who have been uh, ignored and and a lot of times who have been exploited. So that take Mm -hmm. our take historically on how we see the world uh, through differing periods of time is extremely valuable. You know, and it, it allows us to see it allows us to see the media in a much different light. I think it gives some ba- a lot of balance to it. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see what comes out of this. Well, you know, one of the things that I've gleaned over the past couple of years that's mm-hmm. been happening among African-American Muslims. Yeah. Is that I think we've uh, reached a stark reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, which is not something unusual in the African-American experience of not having our means of it, our, our, the ways that we express it ourselves uh, be a part of the quote-unquote mainstream, yeah. which is fine, okay, which is fine. Um, you know, the African-American experience has been known for being... Uh, outside of the mainstream and actually redirecting the stream. <laughs> yeah. So that, yes. So that, but, and bringing the stream to them through their works. You know, it's like I always like uh, uh, like to quote Toni Morrison, who just who just recently passed away. Yes. Uh, to, when she says, "I am the mainstream." Mm. Okay. She sat. Or I sat on the edges and brought the stream to me. <laughs> Okay, uh-huh. so that's something that we do, and I think that for a while now, uh, many African American Muslims have. I need you to get. I need you to be diplomatic because I'm not going to be in the next <laughs> couple seconds. Okay. Yeah. We've fallen for a bill of goods when it comes to our fellow non-African American Muslims, and I'm talking across the board. I'm talking about African diaspora. Uh-huh. I'm talking about Daisy, Middle Eastern, across the board, was like this whole idea of brotherhood, 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 sisterhood, 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 which tantamounted to us having to shed our African-American cultural uh, 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 conventions and the things that make us who we are. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know that there's arguments uh, in the broader culture among uh, black people, among black Americans. What is an African-American? Let me get that straight for everyone right now who may be listening. An African-American is someone who has a heritage that includes the enslavement of Africans in the United States of America from the time pre-colonial colonial and the time it became a nation those are african-americans okay we have our own culture okay we have our own social capital especially when it comes to resistance in this country and fighting white supremacy in this country so those who are african those are african-americans and anyone who wants to push back on that Mm -hmm. okay just DM me. You can, okay? they, they can see you outside. Because they can see you outside. They can see me outside. <laughs> because honestly, it's like at the end of the day, once again, okay, we find that a lot of times there are people who want to either dismiss us mm-hmm. or co-opt our culture, including our name. 
That is what an African-American is. Yeah. Any African-American who's deluded by anything else, that's your problem. Mm. Pick up a book. Okay? Anybody okay. outside of okay. African-American culture who wants to push back and resist against that, that's your problem. Mm. Pick up a book. That's who African-Americans are. So African-American Muslims are part of that heritage. Right. Okay? From even enslavement. But let's look at the black Muslim movement from the time of the black Muslim movement and kind of use that as a marker. Mm -hmm. Because what we see now are the generations that come out of that, out of that movement. Whether you're Sunni, whether you're Shia, whether you're Sufi, whether you're Warthi Muhammad mm -hmm. or anything like that, you cannot discount the black Muslim movement and how it is a touchstone to your culture as an African-American Muslim. Okay, yeah. so we've always created these things, okay, whether it be that we were at the forefront of, of, of Muslim education in the United States with the Sister Clara Muhammad School, That's right. okay, That's right. whether we started our own businesses and everything like that, we had the Darl Islam movement and everything, so we have all of these different cultural layers. And we are African-Americans, and we're creating at the same time. Now, of course, there was pushback on our creativity from that African-American perspective. But lately, African-American Muslims like, hold up, slow your roll. Mm -hmm. It's my heritage. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And I'm going to draw from it, and I'm going to draw from my experiences, and I'm going to speak about that. Okay? And mm -hmm. so that's what this is. All right? And it even includes black Muslims because it's an appreciation of the fact that, you know, we are these layered people and we do, we're having these different experiences and they're manifesting themselves in different ways and how are we creating things and how, it, how is it that, you know, uh, uh, first generation, second generation and so on, black Muslims from the African diaspora how much of the African-American culture has influenced them, you know? So it's just really, really just an important work. And I think that uh, the more and more submissions we get, the, the more and more layered and rich it's going to become, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Thank you for that um, succinct articulation of the definition of what is an African-American. Uh, I, I, I couldn't have said it um, Yes, I could not have said it any better. Um, no, no, that's right. I would not. Have. I probably it probably would take me a lot longer to say that. <laughs> but no, um, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I think we are going to have um, we're going to have to come back. We got because you, you you covered a lot within the diaspora. Um, because I had some, I had an experience came to mind as you were talking uh, while on Hajj, meeting some of some of the um, some of our brothers. Uh, matter of fact, one of the a group of brothers was from Ghana, and the conversation mm -hmm. that we're going to have that we got to really get into is about is the effects of how that resistance is manifested, the difference in the resistance between colonialism resisting colonialism and resisting enslavement it is it is quite a different uh, response it is quite a different response and to to you know to recall what a brother told me um as he felt very kind of 
I guess secure, you know, as we're speaking, for him to tell me I grew up around white people, so I know how to act. I know how to follow rules. I know right from wrong. Not like these other black people. And I said, wow. I really couldn't respond to it. I just said, wow. Um, once again, the effects of, 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 of colonialism, the effects of white supremacy, um, and how it can make one hate themselves. Brother, I, uh, we got black, we got African Americans saying mess like that. We got African American Muslims saying stuff like that. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna give the, you know? the we're gonna give that the time that that it deserves. But um, we're coming up on an hour, so we're gonna shut it down for now, and we'll get back to it again uh, soon, inshallah. It's always a pleasure talking to you, sister. Awesome. Um, now tell folks where they, where they can make those submissions at before we get out of here. Okay. So www.pastales.com slash blog slash NBA Muslims slash BMR anthology, or just visit the NBA Muslim website. Okay. We're also, you can also get access through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Okay. Um, the deadline for new submissions is September 30th. Okay. And so just, e and you can email me directly. You can email the submissions directly to me at Layla.Pulos at NBAMuslims.com. But please read the guidelines. Okay. And remember, it's open to all kinds of writing. So if you're thinking, well, maybe mine's not going to be a fit. Look at those guidelines, and you may think, oh, well, maybe mine will be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Radio Sound family, we thank you for joining us for another edition. It is good to be back. Good to be back with you. Uh, remember, subscribe to the podcast. We want to thank our sponsor, uh, Recycle Processes. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we are going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.